From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at TNTradio.live. TNT, you're with Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Germ Warfare at TNTradio.live. That is my email address. As always, thank you uh, for the emails that I do get. Uh, jump into the live chat on uh, TNT's website. Be sure to go to TNT's website. All the links uh, are there for in terms of uh, the live video stream, audio. Go to my page. Um, you'll see there's an archive of all my previous shows, audio and video. Uh, so you can choose what you want. Uh, I really do enjoy that uh, because... Live radio is not uh, perfect when you have an international audience. It's midnight, for example, in Australia, and it's late afternoon here in, uh, in South Africa. And where my guest is, um, it's somewhere between late afternoon and midnight. So the, uh, the ability to be able to download and listen to any of my shows after the fact, I think, is, is fantastic. And on that note... My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Getting straight to the facts. Enough with the lies. We need facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It is somewhere between late afternoon and midnight where you are, Brian Berletic. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It's it's 9, 9.05 p.m. to be exact, which, which isn't too bad because I sometimes I end up with interviews at 2 a.m., 4 a.m., uh, you know, depending on where the other person so happens to be. So this is relatively tame by comparison. Uh, but Thailand doesn't sleep, does it? It's just permanently awake. Well, I think there's like two streets in Bangkok that are like that. <laughs> the, the rest of the country is more than happy to have a, a very normal, uh, reasonable uh, pace of life, I think. I'm finding myself really enjoying going to bed earlier these days. I'm I'm pretty certain it has to do with the fact that I'm getting older, but <laughs> I really don't mind going to bed earlier than I used to. I remember uh, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, that was when you started getting ready to go out. Do you remember those days? <laughs> yeah, yes, and uh, I guess it, it's, I, I'm I'm probably much older than, than than people think that I am. But yes, it's getting old that that yeah, it just ends up being that way. It's just the the cycle of life, I guess. There's an easy to way to there's an easy way to check your age without actually giving away your age. You just talk about music. Like, do you remember Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. And 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 if you say I enjoyed the band live, then you know you're a nineties child. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or, or Smashing Pumpkins. Yes, absolutely. Um I'm trying to find a segue into our conversation and I can't really, <laughs> I, I created myself a hole there, but I think- Well, I, I, actually I, I, I could come up with one because we're talking about okay. uh, how life changes over time. And uh, right before we went live, we were talking about some kind of the ruts that we get stuck in yeah. while working. And uh, especially in this line of work, alternative media, you just get stuck doing a certain topic and you just keep doing it because it's what you know even mm. when there's other things you feel might be much more important it's quite a risk to kind of pivot in that direction uh and so that that's actually what we were going to talk about today i, I i'm pretty sure is this other direction that we feel is important but uh there's it's not i don't think it'll be that easy to pivot in that direction the thing is brian um people 
don't like uplifting, solution-based, uh, shall we say, happy conversations. I, I, I think it's part of the human condition. If there's a car accident on the side of the road, everybody wants to stop and have a look. But how many people will know what to do? How many people can fix that problem? They just want to see and somehow be entertained by the somber nature of it. And, and this is a principle that I'm, I'm applying across the board. Actually, I think that's a good analogy. And I, I think the reason why people stop and look is because in the back of their mind, they're just wondering, what if that was me? And what if I mm. ended up in that that situation? But it's momentary. It's more of an instinct. And then they never really get around to trying to understand why it happened and what they could actually do to help themselves or others in that situation. It's a very fleeting feeling. Uh, but like you say, if there is an accident on the side of the road, people are always going to look for that reason. And then when we talk about media, the media is bringing the accidents to you. They're showing you the worst things happening around the world 24 hours a day. And so it captures people's attention and it freezes them in that, that kind of primitive mm. mindset where they're just um, mesmerized by it, I guess, in a way. But it's important to hold up a mirror because when you say media, that includes people in the independent alternative space, consumers, uh, sorry, consumers of fear. Absolutely. And I mean, it's just it's just a fact of life that people are concerned about wars, for example, conflicts, mm. uh, the, the change that the world is going through uh, from the unipolar led world order dominated by the US to a more multipolar world. People, uh, this is their future and they're worried about it and they're worried about the most extreme aspects of it. But that that usually leads to us focusing only on war, only on the most negative aspects of this transition, and not really even talking about more positive things, especially if we think that yes. it's pivoting in a, in a more positive direction. We should be spending more time talking about what we might want it to look like when the transition yeah. is finished. Well, actually, that's a good point. Uh, the moment you talk about, shall we say, the white pill or solutions, uh, for some reason, people by and large, switch off. And, and I, I think it's based on what you were just talking about. People want to share uh, the unbelievable stories about the World Economic Forum and what, what Bill Gates wants to do to us. And Elon wants to put chips in our heads and, and they'll share this on Telegram and WhatsApp and they'll just keep sharing and just keep sharing and just keep sharing. And nothing comes of it other than the fact that just keep sharing more. Yeah, for example, in South Africa, we've got constant rolling blackouts. So we have to either share and tell everybody how bad it is, but also solve it. Otherwise we sink. And solving a problem is a massive facet of, of, of moving forward, don't you think? Absolutely. And I, I know exactly how you feel because at, once in a while, and I, I have an entire section on my, my YouTube channel for things like solutions, technology, things other than analyzing war and and US interference around the globe. And these will be some of the, the lowest viewed videos that I've ever made. And I, I feel that they're the most important or, yeah. uh, but, but it, it doesn't attract that much attention. We have to understand also in reality, the, the vast majority of people are not going to be directly involved in this. And it's not their fault because they're they're busy tr just trying to stay above the surface. They don't have yeah. extra time or money or energy to to work on solutions. But what I do notice is that there there is a very small but very dedicated group of people that will be attracted to those type of videos. And these are people that you may even actually be able to work with 
on solutions, or maybe they're already involved in something and they'll send an email to me telling me about some of the stuff that they're doing. So I think there is potential there. There really is, which is why I'm I'm very determined to try to pivot in that direction, or at least spend much more time uh, pre presenting that type of information. Well, I'm your partner in crime, so to speak, because it's something that I want to do also. I'm very focused on, on winning, essentially. You know, I don't only want to talk about, um, you know, the globalists. I want to know how to uh, defeat them, as it were. And I don't mean defeat them in the global sense, but I mean live in a way that they can't negatively impact me all that much. That's what you're talking about now. It's about essentially becoming self-reliant. Absolutely. And people have to look at, at the current struggle taking place. We see unipolarism versus multipolarism. How are these multipolar nations, how are they getting the, the upper hand against the United States and the system that it's created and dominated the planet with for so long? How are they doing that? Are they doing it by complaining, by protesting, uh, by debating with the West? No, they're doing it by looking at the actual concentrations of wealth and power that the West has created, and they're creating alternatives to them. So instead of just allowing the US and Europe to manufacture passenger airliners, for example, Russia has their companies making them, China is now developing their companies making them, and there's a balance of power that is emerging where the US and Europe are no longer able to monopolize that aspect of the global economy. Mm. And if you look at the economic activity across the multipolar world, they're doing that absolutely across the board in agriculture, manufacturing, human healthcare, uh, all of the things, uh, even the financial system that the, that the US uh, without, without uh, doubt had been dominating for so long, even that the multipolar world is prying out of their hands and introducing a greater balance of power. So it's one thing for us to look at that, inform people about that, but there's actually things that we as people can do to contribute toward this, uh, not just on a global scale, but even in our own communities. There, there are ways that we can change our lifestyle. I mean, we're not going to change this overnight. People have to understand that. The problem yeah. didn't, didn't begin overnight. We're not going to uh, solve it overnight. There are things that we can do to help contribute towards something, uh, a better future that we might want to live in. So what you're saying is that globalism is essentially uh, about consolidating power and wealth and all those things into a, into a select few, uh, while self-sufficiency is the exact opposite. It's about becoming um, independent, sovereign, as it were. And also, it's about not being a victim. Absolutely. And so we can continue talking about how multipolar nations do this and then look at how in our individual life we can apply this as well. Look at Russia. They're, they're under all of these sanctions and they said, we don't care because we're going to do all of this ourselves. We're going to grow our own food, do our own manufacturing, create our own financial system. When we want to send money overseas, we'll create our own system for that as well. We don't need the West. We're not going to fight the West over these systems that they've created. We're just going to create our own and use it the way we want to. And if enough countries get together and start doing this, then no one single country can hold a monopoly. The idea of being a globalist empire is no longer possible because nobody's interested in associating with this uh, monopoly of power and wealth and institutions and industry. They, they want to spread it out. They want to be self-sufficient as nations. Uh, and that that is what we as individuals can can start doing to also contribute toward this.
Yeah, so, so, something you've written about and spoken about is um, Thailand and how there is a culture of self-sufficiency there. Yes, this was a huge wake up for me as an American graduating American high school and then coming out of the military. I had no useful skills at all whatsoever. And uh, I, I, I wanted to do something useful. I wanted to build something, but I did not have the skills to do this. But in Thailand, the, the Thai monarchy, the previous king and the current king for decades and decades, they spent their life uh, very deliberately promoting self-sufficiency to the Thai people. Uh, and it, it was, it really intensified when the IMF attempted to uh, bankrupt and then buy out Southeast Asia. This was in the, the 1990s. And looking at that and the problem it, it created for people in the region, uh, the Thai monarchy said, look, we cannot, we cannot get ourselves in debt as a country and individuals in this country can, cannot get themselves in debt. A, a strong family is like a strong cell in your body. And your, if your whole body is full of healthy cells, then your body will be healthy. And so they they taught people things that I think some people would take for granted or as, as common sense, but things like don't spend more money than you're making. When you make money, save some of it and invest it so that you can make more money. And there's all across the country, you can go to different workshops, uh, institutions, they will teach you this stuff for free and they will teach you how to build sustainable wealth. Now, a lot of people in the West, and we could imagine the reasons why, they they don't like this. So when they hear about Thailand and sufficiency economics, they say this is just a way for the king to keep everybody poor and destitute while, while he enjoys all the riches. But if you actually look at all of the literature published in Thai or in English, you can see that's actually a ladder out of poverty. It's these common, uh, common sense steps that you take to get out of the, the, the hole that you're in and stay out of it. Uh, so say you're a, a rice farmer, you've had this land in your family for generations, all you do is grow rice. Uh, what do you do with it? You, you grow enough rice for yourself to feed your family. So that is one thing you never have to worry about, starving to death. You sell the rest of it. You make the money, you take the money, you invest in some other crops. You sell that, you diversify your economic activity. So if something happens with the rice market, you can still make money selling cucumbers or beans or something like that. You get additional money, you're saving it, you invest it in value added processes like a, a, a machine to pack some of your products, to uh, freeze dry it, things like this. As you go along, you're, you're making more and more money with the same amount of land by by using technology and you're able to access this technology by using your money smartly and this is what every successful company all around the world does and that is what the thai monarchy was uh insisting on teaching the thai people and I've, I've never seen anywhere else in the world where the people running the country were this interested in uh, giving these type of skills to the ordinary people and uh, when economic crisis hits, it's the people who are following this philosophy that are able to uh, not just survive, but even thrive during times mm. of troubles. I know farmers during the the whole healthcare scare, uh, everything was shut down, but the farmers were still able to grow their crops. They're still able to ship it around the country and they're still making lots of money And they because they had a, a, a diversity of economic activities. If there was one problem, one place, they still had the ability to make money somewhere else. 
Brian Bulletic, hang on a moment. I'll be back with you shortly. My name is Joe. This is TNT. TNT's Dean Mackin. Some would argue where it comes to Julian Assange, he has more than done his time, whether that be self-imposed or where he currently finds himself locked up, but just that time that he spent in the Ecuadorian embassy. That was way more time than he ever should have served. And what did he do? He told the truth. Somehow you would think if you were new to this world, if you were a visiting alien, if you were a child who was growing up in this world, you would learn quickly that if you tell the truth, if you advocate for what's right, you'll be punished. Apparently, that's the lesson to be learned. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk TNT. While serving in Vietnam, a grenade took my ability to see. Today, I'm a sculptor creating new visions. Now, my fingers are my eyes. As a veteran, I know the challenges of life can be great. In my art, turning a lump of clay into something beautiful, that means a lot to me. Life is like that. We each must use what we can to make things better. DAV helps veterans like Michael get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. Now, I show others how they can create something with their own hands. With support from DAV, more veterans can shape their lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world. Michael Naranjo, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. If you're still wearing a cloth or surgical mask around in public, you're guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It really is that simple. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, uh, Brian, we are chatting about uh, solutions and self-sufficiency and the importance of it. You were talking now a moment ago about Thailand. What did you call it? The What the sufficiency economy or what is it? The new theory, did you say? Uh, the new theory or sufficiency economics. And and really all it is, is this process of building wealth sustainably, not getting yourself in debt. Um, there's a emphasis on owning your own property. You don't sell your property and move to the city and uh, live in a, in a rental property. You keep your own land. It's, it's so essential for a, a individual or a family to build their wealth in that way. I mean, it's not impossible to do it, but it's just so much harder. And when you talk about personal freedom, what is what is better than having your own land to do uh, whatever yes. you want on it? Yeah, the irony, or shall we say the paradox is most of the West actually doesn't really have a leg to stand on. I mean, what what is America's debt right now? 32 trillion. Uh, I mean, the, the dollar, the entire West is going to implode at some point soon. You can't you can't be self sustainable if you're living in debt. No, and that that was something that the the Thai monarchy has really tried to impress upon the Thai people. Now, the, even though the Western media accuses the the monarchy, the military here of being dictatorships, they are not dictatorships, and people are able to choose. And there's there's a, a very toxic influence coming in from the West to transform Thailand into the the very image of the West, this hyper consumerist po- uh, uh, society. Everyone is in debt. This is how they build their 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 type of wealth is by getting everyone to spend money that doesn't even exist. More like a pyramid scheme than a than a rational economy. And so there is that aspect 
And I guess we're just crossing our fingers and hoping that the, the West burns itself out before they succeed mm. in, in transforming other countries and getting them to go go over the, the cliff with them, I guess. So, okay, let me just follow, make sure that I'm following. You're saying that the what what the what the Thai monarchy is trying to recommend or suggest or encourage is ownership of property because it's tangible. Yes, and explaining how real wealth comes from real work and real tangible assets. Uh, so you, and I, I'm not criticizing people that are into finances, but when you're playing with numbers on a spreadsheet, is that really work? When you're speculating on on uh, different types of financial instruments, is that actual work? If you had a desert island and everyone was doing that on the island, you have all of this wealth, but everybody would starve to death and die if everyone was yes. cultivating their land and yes, leveraging technology exactly. and de developing solutions like this, everybody would be thriving. Uh, so it's very important to yeah. keep, keep keep that in mind. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of when I was in the eastern part of South Africa a few months ago. I went to an area called Zululand, very, very tribal, uh, very rural. And if you compare it to the cities, the, the people would be poor, but yet, are they poor? I mean, they're living in villages with crops and animals and water and pretty much everything. I mean, so the question is, are they poor? And, and, and I think the answer is no. Yeah, it, it, that's a good point. And if you look at uh, some of the rural areas here in Thailand, um, maybe uh, years ago, that would have been the case. But even right now, they, they're farmers. You would you would suspect that they would they would appear poor superficially, but these days, uh, people I, I know families that use the sufficiency economic theory, and they have new cars. They send their kids off to college, and they're not in debt at all. When there is a, uh, some sort of economic uh, turmoil taking place, they're able to weather it and, and they still have resources. They have savings because they're following this philosophy. And it, again, it's, it's common sense. Any good business yeah. would run their business this way. And the Thai King wanted people to run their families and their households this way. But there's another aspect here is that it creates a type of buffer against uh, big collapses around you. Absolutely. And that, that was one of the, the reasons it was being promoted following the IMF, its predatory lending uh, across Asia. The, the whole idea was to avoid this ever happening again. If you could get everyone from the top of the country all the way down to individual households to understand the value of saving money, avoiding debt, avoiding predatory lending, uh, how much stronger would that make your country? Uh, how would that insulate you from global instability? Again, the, the whole the whole COVID scare, uh, that that wreaked havoc in many places around the world. Here, I can't say nobody was affected by it, but for the, the majority of people were able to get through it, especially people who owned land and were cultivating yes. it. Exactly. That's a very, very good point. If I think back now, the people living in, say, in the city centers, they suffered the most because they relied on everything that was around them. And if they were locked inside their homes, then it became a problem. Those who were living in the countryside who had their own vegetables and their own their own food, for example, they didn't really bother at all. They just kept on living. Yes, absolutely. And so when I, I, I look at what 
is happening here in Thailand. I look at uh, the closest equivalent I could find, like big movement in the West. You find preppers are doing this. They think yeah. a lot of what preppers do makes sense, common sense, and it's not a bad idea to have uh, a contingency for when disaster hits. But a lot of them are prepping for society to collapse. And I, I think the best strategy would be to try to prevent society from collapsing in the first place. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, and, uh, and, and the way it's you a good idea. do that, yes, <laughs> a, a good way to do that is to make sure not just your household is self-sufficient and resilient, but make your community resilient. And uh, another aspect of sufficiency economics here in Thailand is once your household is making sustainable wealth, there are things that you really can't buy on your own, like a, a harvester machine for your rice field. What you can do is start a cooperative with your neighbors and you can collectively buy one and you can each you use it just uh, once or twice a year, depending on where you live in the country, how many harvests you have. So you're not gonna just buy this and keep it. You can buy it, you can rent it and share the cost for the whole village. Everyone's done harvesting and then that the harvester can go somewhere else. Uh, so. Thinking like that as a whole community beyond just your household, that is kind of the second step. And if you have all of these communities in a country operating like this, just think about how much more resilient your society overall will be. Will your society collapse? And the answer is, I think it's it's very unlikely to happen. Yeah, I think that's very true. And also in a meta way, you're suggesting localism is preferable to, to globalism. Absolutely. And it makes more sense because what is mm. globalism? Globalism is like this big ship in the ocean, which is one big compartment on the inside. If it a hole, hole gets poked into it, it's just going to sink like a rock to the bottom. Yeah, uh, Localism is like a, a big ship with many compartments. If a hole gets poked into one of these compartments, you close it off, the rest of the ship stays afloat. And uh, thinking about it that way kind of gives you a very clear picture of the, the dangers of consolidating everything under one giant monopoly. Uh, if anything yeah. happens externally or internally, it will be an absolute disaster. We see that happening in highly centralized societies. Uh, but there's also an interesting uh, peripheral. Um, in other words, there's some interesting things happening on the fringes of this in, of this conversation. Because if you if you think about localism and why it matters, it also just by default uh, ends up preserving things like heritage and culture and cuisines and, and fashion and all those things that are part of those communities. The moment that you allow too much internationalism, too much, just too much globalism, all of that also just falls away. Yes. And, and also the, the concept of, of family and community. Yes. This is something that is deliberately being attacked and eroded because if, if you're the, the leadership class in the United States and you want to control the American people, you want Americans to feel isolated as individuals. You don't want them to have strong families or strong communities because that becomes a source of power for them. That becomes leverage for them uh, to use against people attempting to exploit or abuse them. So if you're ripping that away from them, making them believe that the best the best way to live your life is as an individual. You don't need a family. You don't need community. You're going to do everything on your own. Uh, just try it. It's very hard. It's very no. hard to do anything on your own. Uh, I used worthwhile. to be like that. 
Yeah, I used to have that mindset years ago. Um, and then I grew up, Brian, uh, because the, the reality is, and I, I know you're American, um, but something that I learned about America is that the, the sense of hyper individualism is, I think, very destructive. It is because, uh, you know, I don't know uh, per people's personal beliefs, but I think it's pretty obvious that human beings uh, yeah. evolved over millions of years to be a social species. And if you look at other social species in nature, you see how important uh, the, the socio-biological instincts are. Uh, and then human beings have the ability to reason on top of that, which gives us such a huge advantage. Uh, but at the end of the day, the the most optimal way for us to function is as social groups uh, with groups, a clear yes. structure. Um, we, we always hear about how toxic hierarchy or patriarchy is, but then you look at any one of these companies that are promoting these policies, they they all have a CEO, board, board of directors. That's not some sort of communal uh, organization. It's very top-down as a hierarchy, mm. these multinational, multi-billion dollar corporations. So they want to keep that for themselves so they can maintain power over everyone else. They do not want you practicing that as a, as a group of people, uh, as a family or as a community or uh, any sort of large organization coming together to focus on any one uh, particular issue. That's why they try to break up the alternative media constantly. Yeah. When you really yeah. think about it, the alternative media is an example of self-sufficiency. We're not depending on the, the established corporate media monopolies. We're creating our own. We're creating alternatives. Uh, just like the multipolar world is creating alternatives to industrial monopolies, we're creating alternatives to these information monopolies. I <laughs> I, I do find it probably understandable, but it's still funny um, how you you talk about the, the time monarchy, but then you throw in disclaimers. One must feel like one must, do, you know, create some sort of... Uh, defense. I actually prefer <laughs> the, the idea of a monarchy. If we consider the last few years, please tell me how democracy has been anything <laughs> but a tragedy. <laughs> I, well, just, I, mean, I don't see any examples of it. I, I, I actually I absolutely agree. When you look at Western style democracy, what you see is not a system of self-determination. You see a, a system mm. of control, whether it's in the United States or it's Western-style democracy imposed on another country. Like, say, here in Thailand, they have imposed Western-style democracy on Thailand. It wasn't chosen. It was imposed upon Thailand. And the reason they do this is because they know they have the National Endowment for Democracy, all of these organizations interfering in Thailand's internal political affairs, they know they can skew things in a direction that serves their interests at the expense of Thai people and their interests. And they do this all over the world. Look at what's going on in Ukraine. That was US regime change in 2014. And now look at the price Ukraine has paid. That was not self-determination. That was the US politically capturing a country under the guise of spreading Western-style yes. democracy. And just on that, Brian, I, um, I don't know if you know the answer, but if we think about democracies, particularly Western democracies and how they are bringing freedom, you know, through drone wars and bombing and everything, which which monarchy has done that in in recent years? I can't think of any. 
Well, I, I mean, like I can just tell you about here in Thailand, the Thai monarchy is focused on taking care of the Thai people. And you will see the Western media relentlessly attacking the Thai monarchy specifically because that is what the monarchy is doing. And they don't want any country doing that. So it, it doesn't matter whether it's a monarchy here, the political system in Russia or China, the US does not want a nation looking out for its best interests. They want that nation to open themselves up, allow the US to, to uh, put their system in place and then just begin extracting and exploiting it uh, because it is it's a pyramid scheme and they need to constantly grow or it's going to collapse that that's where we are um, and that's that is why they spend so much time attacking the Thai monarchy because they understand that is a source of strength for Thai people yeah uh, not because it doesn't work but specifically because the system of sufficiency economics does work it is a huge obstacle to them that's why they want it out of the way also, I mean, I think, I think people simply don't know enough. Uh, I think there is a, a degree of, of ignorance. When people think of a monarchy, I think they'd probably get pictures of King Joffrey from Game of Thrones. You know, they just think of a, of a tyrant who's just going to mow down the, the peasant class. But it's not like that in reality. No, it, it's not. And people have to also realize monarchies here in, say, Southeast Asia are completely different. They have a different history, a different relationship with the, the people than Western monarchies. I mean, just because they superficially look the same, we shouldn't assume that they are the same. We have to actually take the time to look into it and do the research ourselves. We have to ask ourselves, who is telling us that, the say, the monarchy in Thailand is some sort of problem? Is it the same people who told us Iraq had weapons of mass destruction or that uh, the, the, there were freedom fighters in Libya and Syria who, oops, turned out to be Al-Qaeda or uh, Ukraine are freedom fighters? And I don't know where these Nazi flags keep coming out of, but I mean, they, they constantly lie to us. Why do we assume this is the one thing they're telling us the truth about? Yeah, I love this comment in the live chat. It's probably the best comment of the day. You were referring to uh, the pyramid scheme, um, and I think you're making a reference to the U.S. Now, you, you know the little that little pyramid that's on the on the dollar. Someone says, "Yeah, it's a pyramid scheme with the Masonic eye at the top." <laughs> yes, yes, it's very very odd. I've never heard a uh, I've never heard a reasonable explanation as to why that's on the U.S. dollar. But I mean. The point that you're making, I think, is extremely important, right? So let's go back to basics here. Self-sufficiency. It doesn't matter uh, if the if the monarchy is bad or not. They're promoting a good idea here. And what they're suggesting is take ownership of what's around you, what's immediately around you. Um, and through that, you will become uh, more self-reliant. You'll become more independent. And as a result, if more and more people let's say your communities expand with the same mindset, you're going to have a very, very powerful country at some point. Absolutely. And it's it's distributed across society. It isn't making yeah. one. And, and this is the accusation always made against the Thai monarchy that it's a, an autocracy or a tyranny. But in reality, when you actually look at the very actions of the Thai monarchy is making the entire country across cross the population stronger by by promoting this. Uh, and we see very similar things, say, in Russia, the whole idea of Russia making its own food, manufacturing as much as possible in country. Iran has done this to a great degree. Uh, China has for decades been, been building up their industrial base, uh, and it makes them demonstrably powerful. It does. It makes them powerful and resilient in countries that have shipped their industry overseas 
let's just say the United States, for example, despite on paper having the biggest GDP, the most powerful economy, the most powerful military, we can see all the problems that they're having because they have neglected their fundamentals uh, to, to get, again, the American mindset, get rich quick. Their, their foundation is weak and everything they've built on top of it is shaking and now it's starting to crumble. And I, I think that is a good way to look at the battle of unipolarism versus multipolarism. Well, what the Time Monarchy is also suggesting is precisely the polar opposite of what the World Economic Forum is suggesting, which is you will own nothing and you'll be happy, which of course is patently false. Yes. And and again, the 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 I, I remember there was this uh a website with pictures from a, a pamphlet that the the monarchy or the organization associated to it distributed here in Thailand. And uh, they they were showing the idea of getting people to sell their homes and move into the city. There was like this very menacing figure overseeing it and grinning as all these people left their their belongings, their property to, to the false promise of a, a quick a quick dollar in the city. And so could you imagine that being promoted uh, somewhere across the West? You just would never have it. So it's, it's very obvious mm -hmm. that that is the reason why uh, the monarchy is targeted. And I have to say, in my own personal experience living here, seeing this, seeing Thai people uh, apply this, it compelled me to teach myself technical skills. Uh, before I started doing geopolitics, I was actually an industrial designer. I taught myself uh, I had worked in Singapore. I've worked here in Thailand for clients all around the world. And it was because I saw this idea of having real skills to tangibly change the world around you. Uh, and and I, I just feel that it's kind of a, 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 you just feel better when you're doing work like the physical work where you're tan when you have something tangible at the end of the day, you can point to and say, I, I did that. And uh, it's so important because looking around us every day in the world, what is civilization except what what is physically built around us and, and how we interact mm. with this? So this is so important. And in the West has been so neglected. The I idea of vocational education, for example, is uh, it's, it has a stigma attached to it. And I don't understand why, because it's so important. So yeah. it's, uh, a lot of things uh, opened my eyes here looking at this process take place and uh, adopting it in my own life i i feel like it has made me successful in life i can't even imagine going back to the way i was when i was fresh out of american high school fresh out of the u.s military i can't imagine going back to that that status and that mindset brian belichick don't go anywhere be back with you shortly my name is jim this is tnt De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The big question is, why does the United States and why does Australia apparently have leaders that wish to commit national suicide as far as energy goes? Check out these facts. The European Union has 468 coal plants. They're building 27 more. Turkey has 56, building 93 more. South Africa has 79 coal plants, building 24 more. India, 589,
building 446. Philippines, 19. They're building 60 more. South Korea, 58 coal plants, building 26 more. Japan, 90 coal plants, building 45 more. But here is the coup de grace. Here is something that makes me wonder that given Hunter Biden had dealings with a Chinese energy corporation and a fossil fuel energy corporation at that, that these people that are actually in charge of the United States are not complicit in all this phony climate war scam stuff. China has 2,363 coal plants. They're building 1,171 more and not a peep out of the United States. What about Australia? You're going to shut down your six remaining plants. All this to save the world? Let me tell you something. What's going on is who's ever in charge of Australia and the United States trying to bring down their own country at the expense of China and the rest of the world. How else can you conclude anything else? This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. You ever heard of a polyp? Sounds like a rare species of toad. Actually, it's a lump that grows inside me, your bowel. Look, I'm pretty sure if you had a strange lump growing on your forehead, you might get it looked at, right? But when they're growing inside me, nothing, nada. And the polyps I get can lead to Australia's second deadliest cancer. So, until there's a way to make them grow on your face, it's up to you to get me looked at. Got it? Germ Warfare is Jeremy now on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Brian, sorry for the segue, but during the break now, we're just talking about uh, playing musical instruments. Do you play anything? I, I used to, and uh, now I just don't have any time. I, I love, I wasn't any good at it, but I love playing guitar. And I uh, just, for for many years now, I don't, I don't even have one. I don't, it, I had it. I don't know where it went. So it's just that, that aspect we were talking about as, as life changes and evolves. And uh, sometimes you just lose, lose things like guitars. Yeah. Um. Well, you should get back into it. And it's part of that independence thing because it, it helps your mind, I think, just break away from, from everything. Because, I mean, when you do what, what you and I do, we, you know, we're constantly wired. It's so healthy, I think, just to sit down for a few hours with a drink, maybe uh, with the sunset, you know, and just, and just switch off. Yes, uh, absolutely. Especially if you're... Uh, Analyzing war, for example, you mm. you have to look at things that you cannot unsee, and that 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 is I don't know. It's I find it difficult. I have never gotten used to it, no matter how long I've done it. I covered the war in Syria quite extensively, and uh, when you're doing analysis, you have to look at absolutely everything because you need to know what's really going on. And I think that is good advice. Sometimes you do just need to to switch off and just try to clear your mind and. Uh, at least temporarily, because I don't think that it's healthy otherwise. Yeah, I mean, the, look, the important thing here is that this all feeds into exactly what you've been talking about throughout this entire conversation. Look, number one, it's a solution-based conversation. This is about becoming independent. But independence goes beyond also just what you own. It's also about what's in your mind. If, if your mind is completely dominated and controlled by outside influences, <laughs> you are still very much dependent. Yes, and especially if it's negative, because 
Uh, mm. I've I've seen you on your Telegram channel um, upset about this, and I I'm also upset about this. How negative everybody is. How no matter what anyone does, people think about it in the absolute worst light possible. And I don't think that that is healthy either. Even though uh, through through my the videos, the articles that I write, it's mostly focused on war. I spend a tremendous amount of time doing research about solution based. Um, activities, just stuff that I haven't been able to get time to to present. But you have to you have to look into a, as many positive things as you do negative things to try to balance it out in in your mind. I, I think it's very important if you allow toxic uh, uh, ideas or fear to dominate that that will affect who you are as a person. Yeah, you are right. It's something that does frustrate me constantly. Uh, it's it's the I'm trying to I'm trying to find a way to describe it. It's as though people like manufactured fear and we won't we won't name names, but there are some fairly big names in the shall we say alternative independence space who make a lot of money from manufacturing fear. And it works because they make a lot of money from it. But yes. you but you you don't go away feeling like a winner, like you've solved anything, like you actually are going to have a good day ahead of you. you you kind of just feel like you need to have a shower yeah yes as a, as a matter of fact i do feel like that uh, after w watching uh, certain certain media channels or, or certain <laughs> organizations i do get exactly that feeling and the worst part is a lot of the times they know they're manufacturing it because if yeah. you if you have followed them for a while say like 10 years ago, they were saying the exact opposite. And this goes back to something I, I say often semi-related to the topic we're talking about today, but the idea of profit-driven activity versus purpose-driven mm. activity. You can have a purpose and you can prioritize that and still make profits. But what a lot of people do is they prioritize profits first above everything else, even at the yeah. expense of the purpose this activity is supposed to solve. And just to give you an idea of how self-destructive this process is, the United States right now is a victim of its own profit-driven system. Their defense industry, defense industry, arms industry, more accurately, they were so obsessed with profits over the years, they've created an industry that, that literally cannot produce enough uh, weapons to win the wars they they are provoking around the world. That is how bad it is, uh, how mindless it is. Even uh, even in pursuit of their own agenda, their greed has blinded them to the point where they cannot now even achieve those objectives. And so people have to ask themselves, what are they doing? You know, I, that's why I keep doing videos about positive topics, no matter how few views they get, it's because I don't care about the views. Mm. I care about what I'm actually doing as an analyst, as someone presenting information. What what am I trying to achieve? Am I just trying to maximize clicks? No, that's why you'll never see clickbait headlines, uh, titles on my videos. I want people to be informed. I want to have a positive impact. I I have a family. I want I want my children to grow up in a better world. That is what motivates me. And I don't feel yeah. that that's served by just accumulating wealth just for myself. Brian, I love what you're saying. And in actual fact, you say that it's kind of related. I think it's directly related. And maybe we should do a conversation about this in the future where we can formulate some some interesting talking points because what you what you what you're discussing here is value over profit. 
it's a really, really, really pivotal point because that is that is what determines what what the World Economic Forum has been talking about. It's what determines globalism. It's all about profit. It doesn't matter about value. And the moment that you start seeing the world through a lens of value and you're waking up with a smile on your face and you realize that it doesn't matter if you earn less than your neighbor because your neighbor might be on antidepressants and might not own anything but have but but making a lot of profit but okay so what where's where's the value in that yes and and look at these people in the west who are tremendously wealthy with unlimited yeah. wealth and yet they're still not happy they're still pursuing uh, these these plans of theirs all around the globe and now they're starting to fall apart because what they're trying to do is unsustainable and i guess it is an aspect of human nature that mm. we we end up uh, pursuing uh, too much power, too much wealth, just for the sake of pursuing it. It's just one of those things that that we're wired to do. And that is another thing that sufficiency economics teaches people yeah. is to have a purpose and get the wealth that you need to do things, not just get wealth for the sake of having wealth. And and it really, at the end of the day, we're, we're all going to get old. We're all going to get sick. We're all going to die. You can't take it with you. What are you doing with it while you're alive? What are you doing with it to make yourself happy, the people around you? Uh, and and But I, I want to get back to the point where these people are so obsessed with accumulating wealth and power, they do not understand that they are destroying the planet that they live on, that they, they depend on to, to live. They don't understand how self-destructive it is. And I don't mean mm -hmm. in some abstract way. If you look at what's happening to the United States right now, the people uh, driving foreign policy, they're not in control anymore. They're losing control. And the, the harder they try to cling on to this mindset of theirs and this agenda of theirs, the worse everything is, is going. Uh, so th that's why it's so important to have an actual purpose to 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 do something of value uh, just like you yeah. say it helps you sleep at night but it might also uh, keep you alive in, into the future yeah but brian what you're saying is also very poignant in in the sense that the time monarchy clearly knows this putin clearly knows this if you look at if you look at the way he at least he speaks but i mean if you look at how tradition and culture and all of these things are still uh at least they're trying to preserve them to a large degree in Russia and of course many countries in the global south. The West seems to have completely forgotten about all of this. It's just become about hyper-individualism and uh, what you can buy and how much debt you can rack up. It, it's, it really does seem to be some sort of meta, um, what, what is the word I'm looking for? It's like a meta, it's like an abstract concept, but it, it somehow becomes real. Yes. Well, just think in your, your own personal interactions with other people. You know people who have very self-destructive mm. tendencies, people who are pursuing wealth just for the sake of it. They, they need more money. They want to have uh, the status. They want to show it off. And how empty that makes them feel, how unsustainable it is, and how it, it leads them down blind alleys in life. And then you know other people have a relatively simple life. They're not, they're not poor. They're making money. They're make, maybe making good money, but they have a purpose and they're happy and they feel f fulfilled and they're doing something they want to do, something they're choosing to do rather than forced to do something for this, this 
a blind instinct that they're they're a prisoner of. So, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, on an individual level, and also when we're talking about entire nations, it, I think it does have a huge effect on the direction. Yeah, and you've 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 said wealth a few times, but wealth is not only money, by the way. Yes, ab absolutely, stability. Health Correct. is, I, I would say, as well. Uh, there's in actual so fact, many things. Sorry for jumping in, but in actual fact, remember I mentioned earlier I visited Zululand, and there, in 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 their culture and their tradition, um, how much livestock you have is a, is a determinant of your wealth. If you have a lot of cows, you can produce a lot of milk. You actually have a lot of meat. Uh, if you've got goats and all that sort of all that sort of thing, if you have one or two cows, you're not very wealthy. So money is not really the, 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 the vector of wealth. That's, that's also very important to keep in mind. I think we, we kind of touched on that earlier. Mm. The, the idea of wealth being connected to something tangible rather than, especially in the West with their, their spreadsheets, their, all of these mm. um, financial instruments, whether it's cryptocurrency or uh, the, the, the artwork, whatever that was called. I, I forget what it was called. They were auctioning uh bit uh blockchain art or something like that it's, nfts it's, and I'm, yeah nfts and i'm i'm not condemning people who do this i'm just saying that <laughs> no, it's a gimmick not, <laughs> yeah this is you know it's like if you like to go to the casino and play the slot machine okay but this is not real wealth this is mm. not real wealth and and if you want to check whether or not it is just think if everyone was on a, a desert island if there were people doing this would they be contributing or would they be yeah. draining everyone else on the island and when you think about it on we're on this planet in the middle of the vacuum of space so we we kind of are on an island and if you have a whole country where people are moving away from practical economics toward toward i would say scams gimmicks your whole society is going to suffer for it. And I think we, we can yeah. see that manifesting itself right now when you compare the West with, say, Eurasia, for example. Uh, Brian, I see time is now running against us. Uh, let's just quickly promo your stuff. Uh, if people want to find my work, just look up The New Atlas. It's on YouTube. And in the bottom of every one of my videos, the video description, there's other places you can find and follow my work, including Telegram, where I post absolutely everything, including backups for all my videos. Uh, you are going to now cause uh, a flurry of hate mail, um, which I'm no doubt going to receive because you said planet in the vacuum of space. And yes, we have, yes, I realize we, that. And, and you, yes. know the, you, you know that the flat earthers are going to be emailing me. <laughs> yes, and I'm, I'm sure that the cryptocurrency people are very enthusiastic <laughs> yeah. about what How they How can you do. say that? <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> like I, I looked into it. I did. I had a very open mind. I wanted to believe that it was going to save us from the domination of the dollar. And I just don't see it happening. Not at this juncture. <laughs> Brian Berletic, thank you. <laughs> thank you for joining me in the trenches as always. Thank you. Uh, yeah, send me an email, germwarfare at uh, Live. I really enjoyed that conversation with Brian. Please do go and listen to it, uh, share it. Um, it's more of a sort of abstract conversation, but I think there are some some real nuggets of wisdom there. Let's go back to basics. Uh, redefine our purpose. Wake up in the morning with a smile on our face. Have real tangible wealth, uh, not not imaginary digital stuff like Brian said on a spreadsheet. Uh, self self sufficiency, as the time monarch or the time monarchy 
uh, encourages, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, story, but it's also reality. And it's something that we don't know about because we never hear about it. And so I really appreciate Brian for that. Okay, I'm out of here. I'll catch you tomorrow on uh, behalf of the guys that who are making everything happen behind the scenes, Anoop and Joel. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas.